We come now to the reading of God's Word. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 15, found on page 58 of the Pew Bible. This is God's Word. Exodus chapter 2, reading from verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to her son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could not hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that way, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Amen. And we thank God for his word. Well, please do open your Bible with me to the book of Exodus and to chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to focus in on Exodus chapter 2 and verses 11 through to 15. So Exodus chapter 2 and verses 11 through to 15. And as we come to God's Word, let us just bow and still our hearts for a moment as we prepare to hear from Him. Father in heaven, we thank You so much for Your Word. We would be lost without it. And Father, we pray now as we still our hearts and as we come to it, that You would illumine it. Father, that You would close us in. You'd take all distractions out of our mind. And Father, that you would do a work in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to this passage this morning, a couple of things that we want to think about today is sin and service. Sin and service. 
And as we come to the end of a year, we often start to reflect upon all that has happened, all the things that have gone before. And as we do that this morning, I want us to use our imaginations and imagine that someone was writing a life story about us. They're putting together a book. It was going to be our book. And everything that we ever did, everything that we ever thought was going to be in this book. And then imagine that it was given to someone holy. Imagine it was handed to the minister, to Nigel, and he was able to read absolutely everything about your life, everything you ever did, everything you ever thought. It would scare us, wouldn't it? And imagine then that Nigel could take a red pen and that he could start to mark it, and he could put axes across it, and he could write words in the margin, all the things that we had ever done wrong, all the bits and pieces that we had made mistakes about. Perhaps down the margins it would read something like this, mistake, slip up, laziness, this little bit here, that's selfishness, this bit, that's whenever you were telling lies. Here's materialism, here's sexual disobedience, here's dishonor, and here's a bit of anger, here's no self-control. This is whenever you were nasty. This is whenever you didn't welcome people. This is whenever you were sectarian. This is whenever you were racist and arrogant and fake and disobedient. And so the list would go on and on and on. And then imagine the person that was writing it or the person who was marking it could put a title on the book. What would it be? Well, for all of us, it would be Sinner. The story of a sinner. And then if we think about our story and we think about all that's happened in our life and we think all about what's happened in this year and even in this week, then we start to think about what have we done for the Lord? How have we served Him in this past year? Have we done anything for Him? Is there any ways that we have served Him? You see, our typical week is dominated by many loud voices, isn't it? We have many emails that come in. Perhaps you get the, the notification that the car's due MOT or due tax, or perhaps a, a job opportunity comes up, it comes into our inbox, and we think about that, or we're trying to push on, we're trying to chase on to get more and more things, and there's so many voices that compete for us. How have we served Him? We are a busy people. So this morning, as we reflect upon the years, we reflect upon our life, we want to think about what is our story like and how have we served God? What is our story like and how have we served our God? Now, we come to the Bible, we come to Exodus this morning, and what happens is we often compare ourselves against the greats in the Bible. So we come to Exodus, and what we do is we compare ourselves against Moses. And here we hear of Moses, and we think of his story and his service, and we think that we are useless in comparison. Now, what's going on in our passage? We're breaking in here to Hebrew, or into Exodus chapter 2. What's been going on? Well, the Hebrew people we know are under oppression. They're desperate for a deliverer. They're caught in Egypt. There's a deep anticipation that there's someone going to come to liberate them. The promised land is far away. Israel are foreigners in a foreign land. Slavery is the opposite of the fulfillment of the promise that they would have rest. And here in Exodus chapter 2 and in verse 1 and in verse 2, we hear of a son that's going to come. Sounds familiar to us, doesn't it, this, this side of Christmas? A son who is going to come, and there's great hope placed upon this son. 
Here's going to be the one who's going to come and who's going to deliver. We arrive in the verse 11. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. And he saw Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. There's an anticipation. This, this part of Scripture is pregnant with hope. We're expectant. The rescuer comes and the rescuer strikes, verses 11 and verses 12. This is our first point. The rescuer strikes, verses 11 and verses 12. Here Moses emerges. He rises from his hardship against all of his odds. God in his sovereignty has preserved him. He's had his hand upon him. He almost died, but he was preserved. He was brought into the royal house. Out of darkness, here comes hope. I never was thinking about this. I apologize for those who aren't a Manchester United supporter, but I was thinking about days after Alex Ferguson. We were in a great place whenever Ferguson was with us. Then we went into dark days. We had Moyes and we had Louis van Gaal. And then the special one was meant to come and fix it all. The special one in football terms, for those who don't follow football, is Jose Mourinho. Okay? Jose was meant to come, the best manager, meant to come and solve all our problems at Manchester United. And if you don't know what happened, it didn't work for us, okay? It all fell apart, and we were worse than ever before. But here comes the promised one, and we expect everything to go well. The promised one's going to come. He's going to deliver. Here he is, ready to call, ready to, ready to act, ready to serve the Lord. Acts tells us that in Acts 7 that he knew God's call upon his life. He knew that God was going to use him. And he comes puffed up with his loyalty about who he really is. He's inspired by his call. He's inspired by God's providence on his life. And what does he do? Well, he sees the people's burdens. He sees an Egyptian beating another Hebrew, one of his own people. And there's something in us that cries for justice here, isn't there? Moses, do something about this. This is your people. This is God's people. They're under oppression. Put them in his place. Moses, do something. Lead the revolt. Lead the uprising. Seize your moment. Well, what does he do? Verse 12, glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian, and he hit him in the sand. He strikes out. Moses looks left. He looks right. He surveys to make sure that no one is there. And then he beats down this Egyptian. And part of us thinks, good job, Moses. One less. Justice has been served. Now go and inspire the Hebrew people. But we know that there's something not right here. He's gone too far. God never commanded Moses to kill this Egyptian. We know that from the garden that murder is wrong. Surely this is not how the rescuer will deliver his people. What does he do? What does he let happen? Sin creeps in. God had prepared Moses. He'd give him a task to do. He'd give him something, to, to, some way to serve him. And then here he comes, and he, he takes it into his own hands. Sin creeps in, and he takes it, his eyes off the Lord, and he acts in his own wisdom. And often we do the same, don't we? The Lord has given us a task as a church a task to serve him, a task to honor him, a task to help one another grow, a task to reach out. And yet what do we do? We let sin creep in if we reflect upon our year. 
we let busyness creep in, we take our eyes off the task, and we move away from the Lord. Let's go on. Moses, in the verses 13 and in the verses 15, we see that his revolt that he was going to lead, this revolt that the Lord wanted him to lead, is now dead and it is buried. I don't know what it's like in Lurgan, but in Portadown, and especially in the country uh, close to Lagall, whenever someone's getting married, it's custom that they have to get a doing. Okay? What is a doing? It means that they're going to be tied up to a gate or to some sort of car trailer, and they're going to have all sorts of things thrown over them, waste oil, all sorts of products, all old out-of-date food, all the rest of it. Well, one of my friends, Jason, was getting married, and we had the perfect plan. What was the plan going to be? Well, we had set him up. There was a girl going to deliver a wedding present to him, and she was going to deliver it to him in McDonald's. Why we chose McDonald's in Portadown, I don't know, but that was going to be the place. So Jason and his wife come along to McDonald's. They meet the girl, and all the boys are coming across the car park, a good crowd of us coming across the car park. Perfect plan. We'll grab him, pull him out into the trailer. We'll give him a doing. Simple. But Jason sees us coming across the car park. What does he do? Well, he runs to McDonald's, into the toilets of McDonald's, and obviously the staff are not going to let a group of hooligans come in and try to pull this fella out of the toilets. So the perfect plan had to be postponed. Perfect plan had to be postponed. And God had a plan here for the people, for his people, the Hebrew people, that he would liberate them. But everything starts to go wrong. You see, Moses sins by murdering but then the people also sin in the way that they respond. You can see it here. The, 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 the people turn against Moses. Whenever Moses tries to offer advice, uh, and there's two Hebrews fighting, you see it in verse 13. Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And then they reply, verse 14. The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as, also, or as you killed the Egyptian? You see, there was an opportunity here. There was still an opportunity for the people, for the children of Israel to get their freedom. But what would they do? They would reject Moses, a foreshadow of their disobedience that would come for all the years that would come ahead. They disobey. They reject. Moses had sinned, but now the people also sin. There's no forgiveness for Moses. They condemn him. They judge him. And they side with Egypt rather than with God's chosen one. So although Moses is called to lead, he lacks the maturity. He takes things into his own hands. He sins. He has unjust aggression against the unjust aggression of Egypt. He murders. He loses the respect of his people. And he flees. And the death sentence is put upon him. And the whole picture is bleak. The whole plan lies in ruins. It's all fell apart. Yet the Bible tells us that Moses goes to Midian, and there he goes in faith. He knows that he's messed up. He knows that he's failed the Lord. But he goes in faith, the Bible will tell us in Acts. So although he's messed up, although the people have messed up, he still believes that God will work this out. And he'll have to wait 40 years 40 years before the Lord will bring him back. And you see, what often happens to us is that we make a mess of things. We make a mess. And perhaps this morning we're thinking here as we reflect upon our year, 2018, what a mess. 
I made a mistake over and over again. Maybe it's been a difficult year for us. Maybe there's been great trials, trials like we have never faced before. And we don't know how we're going to go forward into 2019. How do we go? We go in faith. Here the, re- the rescuer struck out. He sinned and then he scarpers, but he still has his faith in the Lord. Sin hinders us all the time, but we must keep the faith. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep holding on to his promises. That's what Moses does. Well, Moses fails. He's not the true rescuer. He's not the rescuer that Israel needed. He's not the, the rescuer that we needed. But he points us forward to the one who would come, the one who would come and who would rescue us. You see, Moses is just like us. He's sinful flesh. He makes a mess. And familiar to us is this sin. We sin all the time. We make a mess. We are enslaved. We we are oppressed by it. We know that God has called us to something greater, yet we fail time and time and time again. And our plan lies in ruins. Our life, perhaps, lies in ruins. We mess up, and sin has made a totter of our life. And as a church, it often affects us as well. We seek to serve Him. We seek to love Him. We seek to do the things that He tells us, yet sin affects us. It infects us, and it affects us. So this morning, we don't look to Moses to save us, but we look to the one who he told us would come, the one that he foreshadowed. See, where Moses fails, Christ succeeds for us. See, here we see that Moses, the rescuer, strikes the oppressor. He strikes out the the Egyptian. Whilst the perfect rescuer, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is struck for the oppressed. Moses meets oppression with murder. Jesus meets oppression with with liberation. Moses meets violence with violence. Jesus meets it with peace. Moses meets death with hiding. Jesus defeats death for life. Moses' authority is rebuked. Jesus' authority demands obedience. Moses' death sentence is met with fear and with hiding, whereas Jesus surrenders and is obedient to his death to set us free from sin. Where this chosen baby fails, the whole of creation waits for the babe who would come and who would succeed. So in the big picture of the Bible, there's still a need at this point in Scripture. There's still a need for the promised seed. The people still needed Christ. So as we finish today, as we reflect upon our story and upon our service, Perhaps today we're sitting and we're thinking to ourselves, it's hopeless. Our lives lie in ruins. Well, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Hebrews and to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. And we want to read what Hebrews chapter 11 tells us about Moses. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23 Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. 
By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He preserved because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Do we notice anything about Moses' story as recorded in the New Testament? You see, in Moses' story, there's no mention of this sin. There's no mention of his slip-ups. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment upon him. Why? Because whenever we come to God, whenever we come to him and put our faith in him, our sin is dealt with. So whenever we think about our story, whenever we think about writing that book, someone writing out every action, everything that we've ever did, and then handing it to someone to read, that, that struck fear into each of us at the start. But you see, this morning, if we're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we believe who he says he is, if we've asked for forgiveness of sin, what happens is that storybook is cleansed by his blood all their mistakes are taken out and ripped out and cast away and burned up forever so that the one that reads our book can never see their mistakes. God looks upon us as people who have been totally cleansed, totally redeemed. All the sin is gone. Not because of us, but because of this baby who would come and who would save his people from their sin. So what is the title of our book now? Our title of our book is no longer the sinner or the story of the sinner. The title of our book is A Child of God, Saved by Grace. So this morning as we reflect upon our year, and perhaps you're feeling the weight and burden of it, you're feeling like you've let the Lord down, there's sin there, know this that our story is not a story marked by sin, but that our story is a story that has been freed from sin because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to rescue us and to redeem us. So as one year ends and as another year starts, do not let sin hinder us. Don't let it mess up with our service as we serve Him here in this place. And if you're here this morning and you've still got that old book, that's your life. All the mistakes are still in it. You still fear if you were to hand it to read someone. Why do you fear? You fear because you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know him as Lord and Savior. This morning, before another year starts, come and know him as Lord and Savior. Bow your knee and surrender before him and ask him to forgive you of your sin. He wants to take the pages of each of our story, and he wants to change them. This morning for each of us, God is protecting us, he is calling us, and he is setting us a task, 
And it's a great challenge to us. As a church, as we reflect upon our service, what have we done for this year? How many people have we seen saved? How many have we invited along to church? How many people did we encourage in our church? How did we help out? How did we serve? How did we grow? 2019, we want it to be a year that God will bless this church. And we want it to be a year that He'll bless this community. We want to see more people saved. We want to see more young people coming to faith, growing stronger in faith. We want to see little ones coming along and being baptized and joining the covenant family. We want to see Christians busy at the work of prayer. We want to see people who are hungry and who are thirsty for God. We want to hear of more stories, more stories of lives transformed. If you've been out of church regularly since Holiday Bible Club, you'll have noticed that there's been little girls who have been coming into church every week, and they've done everybody's hearts good, and we've seen them change. And if you're here at the call service, you saw little Alicia coming up and reading God's Word, and Barbara and her were able to read. Isn't that amazing? Someone who had never entered a church before standing up at the front, reading God's Word, a change in our life. That's what we want more of in 2019. More stories like that. We want to hear of family members asking questions. We want to hear of conversations that are happening in the streets around this place. We want to welcome people into here. We want to be naming people in our prayer meetings. Naming them to be saved. And above all, we want the presence of the Lord here in this place. If you belong here, if you're a member, if you worship here regularly, pray that God's presence will be here. Pray that we would know Him here in this place, that He will be exalted. I want to close with this from Titus chapter 3 and verses 4 to 7. This is the confidence that we go into this year with, is God's Word. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we may become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus came to save us, his people. Jesus looked on us in our sin, and he has set us free. So let us go. Now let's go bring people to this great rescuer, to the liberator, to the one who sets captives free. Let us go into 2019, not marked by sin, but marked by people who are forgiven and who have salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray.